It is so good to see all of your smiling faces on this holiday weekend. You never know as a pastor who's going to show up at church on a holiday weekend, especially when you have a holiday on a Monday. You're like, oh man, who's going to show up? It's great to see all of you here today. So thank you so much for being here. You know, on this July 4th, you know, as we think about this country that we live in, the freest country in the history of this earth that has given us the ability to gather together here on a Sunday and worship our Lord and Savior, this country who has sent thousands upon thousands of people across the world to tell about the wonderful news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although this country is not without blemish and things that we, you know, are hurts in our country's past, we must look at how God has used this country and the freedom it has provided to share the gospel message. And that's something that we can be thankful for this, this July 4th. You know, as I look out this time of the year, it gets so hot, and I look at the guys out mowing the grass, and I feel so bad for them because I remember those days. So I started out as a high school kid. I had my own little mowing business. I mowed three yards in my neighborhood and to make a little bit of extra money. And I can remember how hard that was, going out and sweating so hard. I'd, I'd mow a whole yard. It'd take me like two hours, and I'd get 20 bucks. Uh, that was, yeah, that was back then. Mowing a yard, you know, it costs a lot more now. But I can remember those days just sweating my face off, mowing my, my neighbor's lawn. He liked it pushed. So I had a little push mower that he wanted it meticulous, which was fine. Um, but I, I was saving up my money and saving up my money. And I can remember, you know, that was back in the days when you had the original Nintendo. And it, it's crazy how video game prices haven't changed much over the years. But I can remember saving up for 50 bucks. Um, to, to get a new video game. And I remember one of the games of was like Street Fighter or something like that, one of the original ones yeah, that came out, you know, the you know, crazy limited graphics on that, and buying it and playing it for like a day and thinking, this stinks. I, I sweat my face off for hours, and this game's no good. I had like this terrible, like, buyer's remorse of like, man, I wish I could go back and not buy that. You know, as you get older, you kind of experience that buyer's remorse in other ways. You know, maybe it's the, uh, a piece of clothing that you bought online without trying it on. You're like, ah, this is terrible. And you wait too long, it's past the return date before you ship it back. You're like, ah, yeah, wh why did I buy this? Or, you know, it, it could even get to bigger items. You're like, man, I was so foolish, this was such an impulse buy, I didn't stop, I didn't think about it. You're like, oh, and you just have that buyer's remorse. You know, what we're going to look at today is there are going to be millions upon millions of people in the coming days that will have a buyer's remorse. When our Savior comes and he's ruling and reigning on this earth, and they're going to look and say, man, I lived for the temporary. I lived for the right here and now instead of living for my Savior. And they're saying, man, how foolish was I? How foolish. Let's just review a little bit um, through you know, how we, where we've come in this series as we remember that the book of Revelation is speaking about Jesus. It's a book about Jesus. You know, we opened the book in chapter 1, we saw a vision of our glorified Savior, and it talked about him. And then came the rapture. We looked at that and how all of those who are followers of Jesus, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise, and we are caught up in the air to meet 
our Lord and Savior. And there we will spend the, uh, the next time is, uh, up with the Lord in heaven while on this earth the great tribulation takes place. Terrible things will happen on this earth. And the great tribulation will end with Jesus this time coming not for his saints, but coming with Jesus, his saints in power and great glory to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand blessed years. And when the lamb and the lion will lay down together in peace. And that's what we finished out last week. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord throughout all of the earth. What a blessed time that will be. And then we come, friend, to the part today, which is not an easy message as a pastor to speak, but I have to speak the entire word of God in Revelation chapter 20. And that is the final judgment, the great white throne judgment where God settles the score and he adjudicates with righteousness and justice forever and ever. God could not be called a just God if he did not hold sinners accountable for their sin. Now the message today, it is going to be straight from the word of God. We're going to see in Revelation chapter 20 and then corroborating scripture all throughout the Bible that confirms what we're going to talk about today. And I'm aware that some in here today will disagree, but they're not, I, I hope you'll see you're not disagreeing with me, but you're disagreeing with the word of God. Because I'm just relaying what God's word says and what he has revealed in his holy word. Because there is a judgment day coming. And there's coming a time where God will put a final period upon the final paragraph, upon the final page, upon the final chapter, upon the final book of human history. And the time of the final judgment will come and all that men had dreamed about and schemed for and sold their souls for will have turned to rust and dust and mold and corruption. All of that wealth that men tried to obtain, all of that power that men has tried to obtain, it will be gone. It will be gone. And we see here, as we're going to look at in just a few moments, those who are not followers of Christ will be raised from the graves to stand before an almighty God to be judged for their actions. Let's keep reading. Let's start reading. And Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And John said, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I said this is not going to be an easy one to read. That is one of the most difficult passages in all of God's word. To think through what this passage is saying. We're going to break it down. We're going to look at it verse by verse this morning. And I want you to, 
I got several things I want to, to lay on your heart as we kind of pull apart this passage this morning. First of all, I want you to see what we're going to call this fearful setting that is described to us in this passage. I want you to notice the setting of this judgment. Look in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 again. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. We're going to come back to that second part here in just a moment. But notice the setting. This is a great white throne. It is called great because of its awesome power. It's called white because of its unsullied pureness the purity of the throne. It is a throne, a throne of judgment, which speaks of his ultimate purpose, which is judgment. Sometimes people will foolishly pray this prayer. They say, Lord, grant that someday we might stand before thy great white throne. No, that is not a prayer that you want to pray. Do not pray that prayer. Those that stand before the great white throne, they will be judged. These are ones that have not followed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. These are the ones who have rejected Christ, who have said, I want nothing to do with you. The Bible says, one, the one who sits upon the throne in this passage, it may surprise you to know that the judge is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. We see that because Jesus himself says that in John 5, 22. He says, the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment to the Son. It is Jesus who will sit there. Jesus Christ, who today is the Savior, will, will that day be the judge. He was recognized the first time he came as the Lamb, the Lamb who laid down his life for sinners. But when he comes the second time, when he's sitting upon his throne in judgment, he will be looked at as the Lion. Because in the book of Revelation, Jesus is pictured as the Lamb and the Lion, the Savior and the judge. And I'm going to tell you something, and listen very carefully. You may not be a Christian. You may have never given your heart to Christ, but one day, if you do not follow Jesus Christ, you will meet Jesus Christ. He is inescapable. He is unavoidable. You will meet Jesus Christ. If you do not meet him as Savior in this life, you will meet him as judge in the next life. You may have ignored him. You may have denied him. You may have disbelieved him. You may have even cursed him. But one day, you will stand before him. Scripture is very clear about that. Let's keep reading. And, and oh, Let's read here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. It says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. He cannot be deceived. He cannot be disputed. He cannot be discredited. And notice the awkward position of those that are standing there. It says in verse 20, From his presence, the earth and the sky fled, and no place was found for them. That's an interesting thought to think about. Everything that we know in this world, in this life, everything that is stable, everything that we have known and depended upon, is gone. And it's the individual that has rejected Christ and Jesus. That is it. There's no place to hide. Adam and Eve ran into the trees of the garden to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord when they committed the first sin in the garden. 
But here we find at the end, there's no place. No place to hide. So we see here this fearful setting that's described. And second of all, I want you to see this, this forceful summons that is delivered. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Notice the people who were called to the judgment, those that are great and small. I think we could put these into several categories, four categories this morning. I want you to see as we look at the roles of those who are here. And says, we open the book of life. What is the book of life? That's the book of life are the names of those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. So as they stand at this great white throne judgment, if your name is not found in the book of life, you'll be judged based on your deeds here on this earth. And we know that there is no deed. There is no act that can save you. Only the act of Jesus Christ upon that cross. So nothing that is found written in the book outside of the book of life is enough. So who will be there? First of all, we're going to see those that are just the out-and-out center, those that have, who have rejected Christ. We have those on this earth today that they hate Jesus and everything that he stands for. They boldly, braggedly, brazenly shake their fist in the face of an almighty God and say, God, if there be a God, you're not big enough to make me follow you and make me serve you go on any form of social media today, and you will see these people. These will be the people as well who are just the down route out of society. Those who just hate the name of Jesus. We'll also see the self-righteous people will be there. These are people who think they're too good to be judged. They think that the gospel is for the drunkard, the murderer, the pervert, the harlot. They think that the gospel is for the wife abuser. They think the gospel is for the blasphemer, but they're nice people. They don't think this applies and they think the gospel is, is for others, but not them. They are nice neighbors. They attend church. They have good manners. They, they think this is, this is not for me. And I've said it before, there is no one so bad that he cannot be saved, and no one so good that he need not be saved by the blood of Jesus. The worst form of badness is human goodness when human goodness becomes the substitute for Jesus Christ. There is no substitute for Jesus. There is no work that you can do on this earth that will substitute faith in the finished work of Christ's death and resurrection. The self-righteous person, they will be there. There's another one that will be there as well, and that will also be the procrastinator. Procrastinator, these are the ones that intended to follow Jesus, and there's some like that possibly here today. You know that you're a sinner, and you're not agnostic to the gospel message, but you just don't intend to give your heart to Jesus today. You think, ah, I'll do it 
another day. Now the Bible says in Proverbs 27.1, Boast not of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. I think everyone in this crowd recognizes and understands you've had loved ones that were here today and gone tomorrow. We are not guaranteed. Who will be there? The out-and-out sinner will be there. The self-righteous person will be there. And the procrastinator will be there. But there's another category that will be there as well. And this is going to be one that might shock you, the unsaved church member. There are people who have religion, who attend church every Sunday, but they do not know Christ. They're religious. They're not anti-God. They've just simply been deceived. Somehow they're counting on their church contribution. Somehow they're counting on keeping all of the rituals. Somehow they're counting on their church attendance or whatever. And I tell you, friend, that religion will not save you. It will not. That's the reason the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to be religious. Now, if you hear the gospel message preached and you refuse the Lord Jesus Christ willingly and knowingly, friend, I do not want to be in your shoes when it comes around to Revelation chapter 20. Because in Mark chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus said, When you preach, you testify. If, some, you testify. if someone will not hear you, Jesus says, Shake the dust off your shoes, for the dust will be used against you in that day. Jesus is saying, Hey, your message, your job is to tell the gospel message, and if someone does not listen, move on. Move on. It's your job to share. And what will happen is, as we move to this judgment day, Christ says it will be a testimony against you. God will say, as you put up this individual, bring exhibit A. What is exhibit A? The dust on the shoes of Robert Hodges the morning that he preached on the final judgment, and you sat there in church, and you had the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ, and you chose not to follow him. That's Jesus in Mark chapter 6. And notice the places from which they are called. Look again in Revelation chapter 20. It says, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Death and hell. Death has the body. Hell has the soul. The Greek word here is Hades. Death and Hades delivered up the dead that are in them. And so the graves will give up their dead out of the tombs. The dead will come. And out of the depths of the sea, as the sea heaves its bosom and swells, gives up the dead. From the arctic wastes they will come, from the desert sands they will come, from the tropical jungles they will come, wherever men have died, they will come. There is a resurrection of the unsaved that is coming, that will stand before a holy God. From this age and every age and all who have ever lived, since Adam, who did not follow Jesus, will stand before this great white throne. And I want you to see the power 
the authority of the power of this summons. Sometimes when on an earthly judge may issue a summons for a criminal, the criminal refuses to come. That's, we've made a whole show, reality shows, of bounty hunters for these type of criminals to go chase them down and bring them before a judge. When it comes to the great white throne judgment, there will be no need for a bounty hunter because Jesus Christ will stand there. He may, you know, that when it, in our world today, we may seek asylum somewhere else. Or we may try to flee to another country or even criminals today will commit suicide to keep them from coming to judgment. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees the judgment of those who have not followed Jesus. It says in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. The summons is coming. That forceful summons is a coming. There's a third thing I want you to see, and that is this terrifies this terrifies is that there are fatal secrets that will be displayed. At this judgment, there is going to come an indictment. Notice what it is, Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another, then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Did you know that God is keeping a book? on your life. Did you know that God has your life recorded in his book? There is not a thing that has escaped his knowledge. And one of these days you will face that record. If you do not know Christ, it will be before this great white throne judgment. It says in Romans chapter 2 verse 16, on that day when according to my gospel God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. These are secrets, things that nobody else knows, but God knows. You know most of us, if there were a glass window in our hearts, we would want it to be a stained glass window because we do not want people to see what is in our hearts because we know the wickedness there, myself included. We know how wicked our hearts will be. Secrets that have been repressed, secrets will be Revealed. There is nothing that escapes God. Skeletons will come out of the closet. Things that your mother didn't know. Things that your father didn't know. That your husband, that your wife did not know. Think about it. There's coming a day when we that do not follow Christ will face that record. Let's go on to the last point here. And I want you to see not only the fatal secrets will be displayed, but I want you to see that the final sentence will be determined. Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15, it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, when you think about this final sentence, think of the sureness of it. They were judged. You will not be able to bribe this judge. There will be no shrewd lawyer that you can hire to put a spin on it. God swears by himself that we will come to judgment, and that is the sureness of it. 
You know, in Scripture you see it talked about the second birth. In John chapter 3, Jesus spends time there with Nicodemus, the Jewish ruler, talking about being born again. That second birth, that spiritual birth, you're born the first time from your mother. You're born a second time spiritually when you make that decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For those of us who have followed and made that decision, we will experience, we experience that, that second birth. But here in the scripture, it talks about and it says, the, and the, 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 the dead, great and small, and it talks about the second death. We experience death, all of us, initially. But those that are not followers of Christ will not experience the second birth, but a second death in the lake of fire. On that day, Romans chapter 12, verse 16, on that day, God judges the secrets of men. This is the second death. Now, I also want us to see the severity of it. They were, they were judged according to their works, not according to grace, not according to mercy, not according to love. If you want grace, you may have it. If you want mercy, you may have it, but you must have it in this day and in this life. You will not have it then. Do not get the idea that you're going to throw yourself upon the mercy of the court. The day of mercy at this point in Scripture has ended. There is no room for mercy if you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In this day, it says, you will be judged. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is today. That is in this life. God has made it possible so that every person who has ever walked upon the face of this earth would not have to face this day. He's made it possible for the richest, the poorest, the most intelligent, the least skilled, whoever walks upon the face of the earth does not have to meet this day if you choose to follow him. In a trial, there's three parts to every trial. I think we've all watched enough, whatever show, Law and Order, or whatever you know, show that they want to you know, spin up and throw some new paint on it and try a different. We've all watched enough courtroom trials to know that there is three parts, really. The first, all, first part is the evidence is presented against you. The prosecution goes and they makes their case. Here we see the books were open. In Scripture, it says the books were open. Your words, your thoughts, your deeds, every dishonest thing you've done, every nickel you stole off of your mother's dresser, every gray hair you put on your father. And when those books were open, you will stand back and see the wickedness and say, my God, no. My God, no. But there will be a record. Every idle word, nothing will be left out. The evidence is presented against you. And the next part is you're going to have a chance to make your defense. Now, what, you, what, were you, what will your defense be in that day if you choose not to follow Christ? What will your defense be? What are you going to say? Think through it. What are you going to say before God the Father in that moment and Jesus Christ standing before, standing there on his throne, sitting on his throne? What are you going to say in your defense when the book is opened on your life? 
Are you going to say, well, Jesus, I didn't know what church to join. There's a, a Baptist church, a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, all of these different ones. I, I didn't know which church to join. And he'll say, I didn't say, believe on the church. I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But God, it, it was... It was, it was this Pastor Robert Hodges. I, I heard him speaking on judgment. And this, this, this held, it really turned me off to, the, to, to your message that, that Sunday on July 3rd. I, I just didn't like him. To which Jesus will say, I didn't say believe on a pastor. I said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. But, but wait a minute, God. Uh, I, you know, there's so many people I know at church that are hypocrites that go to church. Like they say they're these great Christians and then I see them at work or I see them at school and they don't act like a Christian at all. And, and I just didn't want to be, to be known as one of those hypocrites to which Jesus will say, I didn't say, be not a hypocrite. I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You might say, I know I'm a hypocrite, and that's what, you know, why I didn't give my heart to Jesus. Jesus is going to say, it's, it's not it. It's one thing. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. So what defense will you give? The evidence the defense, and then the last part of the court is the verdict. It's handed down. The judge is Jesus, and a broken-hearted judge will say, Him that denies me before men, the same must I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into a great fire, into the lake of fire. God doesn't, does not want this ending for anyone. God wishes that none should perish, but come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. But here's the wonderful news for you. In John chapter 3, Verse 18, the Lord Jesus Christ says, He that believes on him is not condemned. He that believes on him is not condemned. He that believes on him will not be there at this great white throne judgment. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, what wonderful words. What hope. We've talked about this. Why hope? We have hope because we follow Jesus. Because he has given us life. I'm not going to stand before the great white throne and I tell you why. The reason why I will not stand before the great white throne is because I settled out of court. That's why. Jesus became my savior when I believe that he died upon a cross in agony with his shed blood to pay my sin's debt. 
And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 33, who shall lay anything against the charge of God's elect? Nothing. Isn't that wonderful? That when we stand before God as Christians, and Satan is there saying they did this and this and this, Jesus is going to be like, it's true. They did do all of those things. But God, I've already paid their penalty. I've done their time when I died upon the cross. They are set free. What a wonderful message. Never can anything be brought before God. For those who are followers of Jesus Christ, because Jesus is standing there as our advocate. Why do we hope? Because we have Christ. Let's pray.